0: This is the Bartender Journey Podcast. It's the Bartender Journey Podcast number 287. My name is Brian Vincent Weber. Thanks for listening. This is the podcast that talks all about bartending and cocktails and spirits. Well, our friend Hazel Elvarado took a trip down to Tennessee, to Nashville, and also also Lynchburg, Tennessee. And if you know anything about Lynchburg, Tennessee, that's where Jack Daniels is made. And she made, she got an interview with Jeff Fletcher from Jack Daniels. So we'll let Hazel handle the interviewing duties this week. First, I'll remind you that my first book is now available, which I co-authored with Amin Benny. It's called Cocktails Made Simple. It's, uh, it's available now on Amazon, barnesandnoble.com, and uh, other places as well. The book starts off with terms, tools, ingredients, and techniques, and then we move on to classic cocktail recipes categorized by Base Spirit. We're very happy and excited with how it turned out, and we hope you'll pick up a copy. It's also a great gift as we rapidly approach the holiday season. All right, Hazel, take it away.
1: And we are on the road. We spent a couple of days in Nashville, so we're going to do a Nashville write-up. But we are here in Lynchburg, Tennessee. If you'll recall, um, a couple years ago, we did a special on the Baltimore Bar Institute, uh, which was three years ago uh, when Brian and I actually met and I started working on the podcast. And at that point, uh, Jack Daniels was there and... That's actually where I met Chris Fletcher, along with Jeff Arnett, and there was somebody else there whose name I don't remember. Kevin. And we had sworn to come back to Distillery three years later, but here we are. Uh, So we are here with Chris Fletcher. Um, Chris, you want to just talk about your background, where you're from?
2: Sure. Well, I'm uh, born and raised here in Lynchburg, Tennessee, and uh, we're actually sitting in my grandfather's old office right now.
1: Oh, great.
2: Um, So I grew up around this distillery. I can remember being here um, probably as early as four or five years old with him. Um, He was our master distiller here for several years, and he worked here from 1957 until 1989. And so uh, when I was a, a young guy, I was out here running around and Playing around, I didn't know what whiskey was, of course, but um, it was a chance to be with my granddad, and mm-hmm. uh, kind of grew up right up the street, and uh, ended up going to college and studying chemistry, and um, eventually decided, well, you know, whiskey and chemistry, there's a lot of overlap there, and
1: because alcohol is a solution,
2: right? Exactly. Like to say, right? <laughs> here you go. That's good. I like it. So it, one thing led to another, and and here we are. So now I. Uh, I sit here in this office, and this is his old desk that he actually had uh, when he was working here. So it's a it's a pretty special thing.
1: Okay, great. And um, so, just for our listeners and anyone they may not be familiar, what is it that you do for Jack Daniel's?
2: I'm the assistant master distiller. And so I obviously report to Jeff Arnett, who's our current master distiller. And, um, you know, the, the distiller's role, you know, I think it is a little more broad today than it than it was years ago. Uh, the simplest way to think of it, I think, is quality control, um, you know, making sure that every day we're making the whiskey um, to the consistency that we need. Um, not to say we don't also work on innovation and new things as well, um, but really if you look at how, the distillery here in Lynchburg is set up. All the distillery production um, reports up under Jeff. Um, so ultimately, you know, he's, mm-hmm. he's in charge of, of getting our whiskey made every day.
1: Okay, great. Um, and most people, uh, most people listening to are familiar uh, with Jack Daniels, but maybe for the .001% that are not familiar with Jack Daniels, you want to just give a brief overview?
2: Sure. Well, we've been making whiskey here um, since about 1866. Uh, Jack Daniel uh, was a real person. He really made whiskey, Um, lived right here in Lynchburg and and started his own whiskey business back in 1866. You know, during Prohibition, you know, quick history on that, we were completely shut down. I know a lot of other distillers um, in the southeast would get medicinal permits and things like that. We did not have that. Um, So we basically lost everything that Jack had built to that point. Um, We reopened, though, in November of 1938. It was Jack's nephew. Um, Lim Motlow was his name because Jack didn't have any children of his own. He actually died a bachelor. Oh. And so he le- left uh, the distillery to his sister's children. And so the Motlow family um, basically ran the distillery uh, until 1956, which is when they ultimately sold the distillery to the Brown family based in Louisville, Kentucky. So we're still part of Brown Foreman Corporation today um of course family controlled based in Louisville Kentucky so very happy to be you know American owned mm-hmm. whiskey company based in Louisville and uh yeah that brings us to pretty much present day um all Jack Daniels is still made right here in Lynchburg every drop is um made aged and bottled of our whiskey right here and we're supplying whiskey to 170 countries or so around the world so oh, wow. we've uh, we've grown a little bit since then
1: okay so I'll, I outside of the US what in terms of your international markets where do you know like what your top three
2: yeah um, are? the UK is number one mm-hmm. um, and then Australia would be number two um, and then about three four five they start to stack up but France would be up there pretty high Germany would be up mm. there pretty high as well so
1: anything any surprising like international markets
2: well you know it you know I wouldn't say surprising but um, but you know
1: by something that people wouldn't generally associate,
2: yeah, making. well, you know in, in the in the Australia market, um it's very popular for the premixed uh, uh consumption, so um in Australia, one mm-hmm. of the things that makes it pretty unique is you, you can buy the cans of our Jack Daniels whiskey that's already premixed in a cola or a lemonade or something of that nature oh, okay. um which which is a you know very common and popular way um, to, uh, have our spirits over there. As to where here in the U S, um, you know, if you ordered let, say a, a Jack and Coke or a whiskey sour, basically a whiskey mm-hmm. and citrus or lemonade, um, you know, it would be more of a, a cocktail style drink that would make it, you know, behind a bar. Um, as to where in Australia, most of the time you'd actually get it premixed, already done.
1: Okay. All right. That makes sense. Um, so now for the people that are familiar with the category of whiskey, um, can you talk about? I, I guess the the big discussion, which happens actually a lot, really more consumers, less bartenders, the idea of Tennessee whiskey versus mm-hmm. bourbon. Um,
2: yeah. Um, well, you know, Tennessee whiskey is bourbon. It's just we have a little more re- required to be able to put mm-hmm. Tennessee whiskey on our label. Um, but Tennessee whiskey does qualify as bourbon, so there's nothing that prevents us from putting bourbon on our label. It's mm-hmm. just because of our process and our location we are able to claim Tennessee whiskey, um, which is something that we feel pretty strongly about. You know, I mean, this is the way that my grandfather made whiskey. So it's a a special thing for me. We're certainly not going to change it. Um, And, of course, it dates back well before him. Uh, But Tennessee whiskey, uh, in a nutshell, number one, it is bourbon. Number two, it's made in the state of Tennessee. You can't Mm -hmm. make it outside of the state of Tennessee, Mm -hmm. which bourbon can be made in all 50 states. And Mm -hmm. Perhaps it is right now. I'm not sure. But I would say almost all 50 states. And then the last thing is the charcoal mellowing process. Um, So what that is, basically, before aging, the clear whiskey off of the still is filtered through some form of maple charcoal. Um, Now, there's no minimum or maximum amount of charcoal stated. So technically, we could take a big tank, let's say a 1,000 gallons of our whiskey, and just take one little tiny nugget of charcoal and drop it in there. And that would qualify. Obviously, it would have no effect on the whiskey. Now, we do not do that. We have a very intensive charcoal mellowing process because of our history and because of what we want our whiskey um, to ultimately be and what we expect. So charcoal mellowing is not a one-size-fits-all thing. Um, We Mm -hmm. have many distillers here in Tennessee that are using different methods, different forms of charcoal mellowing. you know, we're certainly not going to change how we charcoal mellow our Tennessee whiskey. Um, but that is the only process difference okay. in what you can get. So by doing the charcoal mellowing process and by making our whiskey within the state of Tennessee, it enables us to claim Tennessee whiskey and not bourbon whiskey.
1: Okay. So I will state, um, since I haven't been on the tour yet, and mm-hmm. I'm going on the 215 tour, I have unequivocally heard Hopefully hopefully doesn't get me in trouble with the other whiskies. that this is actually the best distillery tour, hands down, Well across Scotch. Like, the best <laughs> in terms of the experience itself. And, and the experience, not saying that other distilleries don't have good hospitality, but just that, actually, that particular, a lot of people that have been on this tour, both industry and non-industry, have told me, you need to go just to see that process because you won't. So, like what you were saying, I guess there's different ways of doing it. So, I have very high expectations for that for that particular part. Good. But well, yeah.
2: I think what a lot of people um, are pretty amazed by when they come here and, and take our tour is you get to go right through the heart of the distillery. You, you get right up close and personal with our stills. Don't get too close; they're hot. But mm-hmm. you'll get to see exactly where every drop of Jack is created, and and this pretty powerful for a lot of people. We have a lot of friends all over the world. We have about 300,000 visitors a year. And so I think that maybe some people think, well, maybe we'll get to see something that kind of replicates the process. But Mm -hmm. when they find out that they actually get to go through and see and smell and experience the actual making of the whiskey, it's a pretty Mm -hmm. cool thing.
1: Yeah. So the other thing I did decide to try to do a little bit of research that um I was not aware of, but my colleague Wayne was, was that um could you talk a little bit about I I read somewhere that you have a volunteer fire
2: we
1: do. I I don't you know so which I thought was really great and interesting because I think one of the things um that was really great, you know, from word of mouth as well as, you know, beyond any PR or media is um I have been told that um, everybody that works for Jenga is pretty much like a family, and is very dedicated mm-hmm. to Lynchburg and to the people of Lynchburg and surrounding area. So,
2: yeah, well, I think you're you're kind of getting to um, maybe what leads up to the ultimate thing of our own volunteer fire brigade, um, which is this sense of community and family. And if you think about where we're at right now, Lynchburg is in Moore County, Tennessee. We're the second smallest county in the state. So we're number 94 out of 95 counties in our state. Um, it, it's a very small, very tight-knit community. And people here, um, we all kind of grow up with a connection to the distillery. Obviously, my, my grandparents mm-hmm. worked here. I still have other family members that work here today. And so the, the town of Lynchburg itself, we we have only a volunteer firefighting capability for for the whole county, mm-hmm. right? There is no you know, paid for, um, fire department. And so our distillery also has our own, um, because, you know, two, well, let's say close to 2 million barrels of inventory, um, that we want to protect, um, that we go to a lot of, um, uh, say great links to make and make sure that it's the same. And we all stand behind the quality of that whiskey. We're going to Mm -hmm. surely protect it in case of a natural disaster or something Mm -hmm. or, heaven forbid, an accident um, that -hmm. we've never had. But this volunteer fire brigade that we have, there's 34 or so members that train Mm -hmm. every week, and they're certified through the state of Tennessee. They do classroom training. They do active training, um, putting out fires. Um, We have multiple large fire trucks, very state-of-the-art equipment that can not only add water to a fire but also dry chemical and foam um, Mm. that would you know help put out a um, an alcohol-based fire more quickly and so it's one of the things um, i guess that really makes this this area unique is not only you know do we have our own jack daniels fire brigade Um, that would not only call on any fire at our distillery but also Mm -hmm. a lot of the public buildings in town so nursing home and some of the school Mm -hmm. systems in in areas Um, and then if you think even for our our whole little town we only have a a volunteer fire service as well Mm so um, it's just kind of the way we operate down here.
1: I mean I think that's great so just just to clarify for the listeners it's not you're not just there necessarily to Protect the product, but everyone that's volunteer has training they've got. I'm assuming as part of standard like EMS kind of training. So if anything happens, you have all these people that are just at the ready that are tr- just helping like any kind of need.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, so we I mean, we do have a, a chief, a fire chief that oversees our department. And uh, but to your point, we have people that work in all areas and aspects of the distillery. They're on call. They could get a call at the drop of a hat in the middle of the night. Uh, And they're going to come in and uh, we have a full fire brigade, all the equipment, you know, all of the, all of the suits and everything that they wear. Um, And so Um, how
1: long has this been? Because I, I I feel like I didn't actually know about this until I, I mean,
2: yeah, it's been around for years and years, I guess. We think it was, yeah. Okay. Formalized around in the, mm -hmm. in the eighties. But I can tell you volunteer firefighting in this town has been going on for way before that. Yeah,
1: no, that's really great. Okay. Um, so the other thing is I saw somewhere where I guess maybe you guys are starting to do more of a, I think it was called Jack's house, something you guys did with music or do you know about um, that?
2: Yeah, a... there were some, I don't know a lot about those. I mean, okay. those were, yeah. um, some localized marketing efforts in different cities. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I did go to maybe one of them. Um, and so I, I don't really know all the particulars and I don't even mm-hmm. know that they're ongoing. Um,
1: okay. Cause I, Cause I, I do know, I do see a lot, like maybe it's because I'm from New York and we see like a lot of like Jack, mm-hmm. um, consumer events, but I've also seen you would do a combination of consumer and reaching out like to industries and right. to bartenders and to help bartenders, like not just here, but around the world in terms of understanding mm-hmm. what to do with the whiskey, how to talk to people about the whiskey. Um, I don't know if you've ever had any questions from anyone in the industry in terms of how they should talk about it, or if they're like in a bar and someone asks about it. Because I'm pretty sure everyone's aware of your uh, like regular Jack, but you have multiple products. Right. You don't know how many you have?
2: Yeah, everybody knows the old number seven. Yeah. But you know, we we have beautiful single barrel whiskeys now, uh, both rye whiskey and our standard Tennessee whiskey. Um, we have barrel-proof versions of mm-hmm. that, you know, no water added. With the variability from barrel to barrel, the the uh, flavors and the proof is going to change a little bit. Um, of course, the Gentleman Jack whiskey that we mm-hmm. do, it's the Double Mellow, which is very soft and mild. And and so I mean, we continue to look for ways to innovate as well. Um, you know, I'd say there's really no wrong way to, to, to talk about, you know, how, how do you use Jack Daniels in and, and mm-hmm. cocktails and things like that. You know, we would just always ask everyone to be mm-hmm. sure and enjoy responsibly. Um, mm-hmm. That would uh, certainly always um, be at the top of the list. Um, but behind that, you know, I think a lot of people um, forget about Jack Daniels and how well it does um, do classic cocktails. And if you think about when our brand Old Number Seven was, you know, exploding onto the scene in the you know mm-hmm. in the fifties and sixties, um, you know, whiskey-based cocktails, you know, were very much a craze. I mean, very much yeah. like it is again now um and so um you know that really speaks i think to the versatility of our whiskey i think that old number seven is an extremely balanced whiskey um i think it mixes well with a lot of different things you know, a lot of people drink it with Coca-Cola. That's, you know, that's great. Um, it also mixes really well, I think, with anything citrus-based. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, that, it just really lends itself to a lot of different ways. And, you know, I mentioned it goes to 170 different countries. You know, obviously people from all over the world, if you have a, an old-fashioned cocktail here in Nashville or if you're mm-hmm. in India and you mm-hmm. have an old-fashioned and you order both of those with old number seven, we know that the whiskey that goes into both of those cocktails... Is pretty darn the same right it's yeah. almost identical we're really consistent with old number seven oh, but- I,
1: I can I can personally I have um, I know a couple of people I have a very good friend who is a diehard Jack Daniels fan and I've I have actually read that a lot of uh, Jack Daniel's drinkers out of a majority of whiskeys are very committed mm-hmm. like they know um, they are aware and it's and you know 15 20 years. It's the formula has been the same. The, the taste mm-hmm. is consistent. The balance, the quality, um, they travel, they ask for a Jack. They, you know, they, it's, it's the following, um, yeah. is pretty solid.
2: Yeah. You know, I mean, that's the thing, you know, it is unique. It is consistent. Um, and I think that that combination is what's led to the success because, um, you know, even people that, that don't drink the product neat. Uh, a lot of people do or just on the rocks, but a lot of people love to mix it. Um, even with a very flavorful mixer, you know, like a cola, um, if you try to substitute the Jack in there, most people are going to pick that out and know. Oh, yes. Yes,
1: I I unfortunately was witness of this particular friend who who ordered a Jack and Coke and got something else. Yeah. And was not not happy about yeah, it. I don't um, blame
2: him, <laughs> Yeah,
1: Yeah. So um, are there any um, recent expressions or things that you've done or like that people should be aware of? Yeah.
2: Our most recent uh, work right now really is geared around our rye whiskey. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's the first new grain bill, you know, at least since prohibition time that we've done here at Jack Daniels. Um, And so we chose to do a 70 percent rye and then 12 percent malted barley and 18 percent is corn. Um, so it really delivers a lot of rye character, but not overwhelmingly so. We still kind of have that Jack Daniels DNA behind yeah. it. You know, it's a little bit got a, some sweetness to it. You get that kind of uh, aroma of the fruit and the floral aroma that you get from our yeast. Um, but in the mid-palate and especially in the finish, you really get the spicy rye. So there's just really nice... You know, contrast of flavors, a little sweet, and then the spicy finish with our rye whiskey, um, which, again, I I think um, especially the rye whiskey is really, really good for classic cocktails. Yeah, rye
1: seems to be making really huge. For sure. Comeback.
2: Yeah, and it was the original American whiskey. Pretty yes. much, right. I yeah. mean, you know, George Washington was making Washington. rye whiskey, yeah. so uh, we felt like you know, with the uh, resurgence of American whiskeys in general, and with rye whiskey being sort of that original form of American whiskey, we felt like we could do it really well, and 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 I, I believe we have a very unique entry into the rye whiskey market, um, certainly geared towards those classic cocktails.
1: Okay. Um, and is there anything specific you want to talk about, about your day, about being a distiller that you just especially like that you people know. might not know? Cause I think like it's, it's only been really in recent years, most people, you know, they, they know the whiskeys and then they'll meet brand ambassadors, but it's been really great that a lot of places, like you get to meet people behind the scenes and like what they're doing and most people understand like what a distiller does but they're like in terms of like day to day they just think that you probably just drink all day and don't there's a lot yeah. of things behind it that they yeah. don't appreciate that you
2: I, I, I do think that the distiller's job has been romanticized a bit over okay. the last you know 20 30 years um you know people think that we just sit around and drink um and while tasting not drinking there is a <laughs> yeah. difference um you know that's a part of it for sure you know anytime you say well you. Quality control is a big function of what I do. Um, you know, I was tasting um, barrels just earlier earlier today, but that's just a part of what we do. Yeah. You know really to me, a distiller and I have a very specific view of a distiller with my grandfather. Um, he'll always be the first thing in my head when it comes to being a master distiller. and that's the person that this, that distills that, that mm-hmm. turns mm-hmm. grain into the whiskey. Um, and know I know that now in the, the current environment of American whiskey you see all kinds of, of different things and maybe different meanings of what a distiller does and, and that's okay um, but for me it's about getting the whiskey right before it ever gets into a barrel mm-hmm. um, because you know while that barrel we know it won't make the whiskey go bad right mm-hmm. It's not going to turn it bad. however if you put bad whiskey into a barrel, it's a whole lot to ask of a barrel to make it good Mm -hmm. and so to me a distiller's job is distilling and so a master distiller um his his or her primary focus should be on the creation of the whiskey and then getting it into that barrel do we want to monitor it do we want to make sure absolutely we do but once it gets put into that barrel there's nothing we can technically do to it yeah right it's just a matter of time at that point so really our job is nearly over by mm-hmm. the time the whiskey goes into the barrel, so, um, but that's just you know kind of my view of the of the master distiller, and I'm sure every company kind of has their and own. How world.
1: long have you been doing like is the distilling?
2: I've been in the industry. I started working uh, here part time in 2001. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was when I was back in college, um, and so yeah, I've been doing this for over 18 years in some wow. way or the other. Um, I moved to Louisville, Kentucky, um, to work at the Brown Foreman headquarters there. That's where our our research and development lab is. Mm -hmm. And so I'm a chemist by trade. And so I spent about nine years there with them and a couple years, you know, with another distillery Mm -hmm. uh, in Kentucky. And you got to meet some other, you know, very good distillers and and good friends that still make Kentucky whiskeys. And and then I've had the opportunity, uh, Jeff called me one day and explained with the Continued growth of, of Jack Daniels and the demand on his time. He was hoping to hire an assistant distiller, and uh, it sounded pretty good. And I've nice. been in this role for a little over five and a half years. That's so.
1: great. Okay. Um, so is there anything else you want to let our listeners know? Yeah, Other I'll And then come to visit the distillery. Yeah, well, that that that's what it. I was like, going to
2: say. Yeah, I mean, you guys are here, to, and you're going to get to experience the distillery firsthand. Um, we love it when folks come down and, and see our whiskey. Uh, see how we make our whiskey. Um, you know, we have no secrets here. Everything is is an open book. There's nothing proprietary. We'll tell you the grains that we use. We'll tell you how we ferment it. We'll show you the stills, um, you know, the barrels and everything. So um, we love for people to know our process because we feel mm-hmm. like, our process is really a throwback to the traditional way of making American whiskey. Um, We don't like to outsource a single thing. We have our own employees and our own people from the distilling side and mashing the grains all the way through to making our barrels and then getting the whiskey into the glass. Mm -hmm. So we're very much, um, you know you think of kind of farm to table i mean we're yeah. we're buying logs of oak trees um, you're and we're, doing
1: it before it became a freeze yeah exactly right, pretty much
2: and i think a lot of folks are surprised when they see that when they come here so um, i would just invite everyone to come down and see us in lynchburg and see how we make our whiskey awesome
1: thank you so much thanks for your time
2: thank you
0: All right. Thanks for listening. Remember, the book is on sale now. It's on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. It's Cocktails Made Simple, and uh, it's my first book. Hope you'll pick it up. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time on the Bartender Journey Podcast. Cheers.